Hey everyone out there, how's it going? Welcome to Screenspeak. It's the podcast that's all about movies, life, and so much more. I'm Jordan Anderson, this is my podcast, and as always, I want to sincerely thank each and every one of you for coming by and giving this episode a listen. If you're a first-time listener on the podcast, awesome, awesome, happy to have you here, welcome, don't go anywhere, because I think you're going to enjoy this episode. And for those that are familiar with this, well, welcome back, good to see you back, or hear you back. Can I can I see or hear you back? Oh no, I can't, because this is a podcast, but you can hear me, and, and that's, uh, that's of course what counts. Uh, so I need you to go ahead and do a few things for me. Can you do that? Can you do just a couple of things for me? I, I promise. I won't ask you to do anything else after this. You can just sit back and enjoy the episode and, and, and that's it. Okay. But here's what I need you to do. I need you to go ahead and hit the follow button and the bell in whatever it is that you're listening to this on. It could be Spotify. It could be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. There's a million podcast apps that are out there, uh, and ScreenSpeak should be on most of those. So please, please go ahead and do that so that way you don't miss out on any future episodes. Also, if you want to engage with the podcast, engage with me, you want to talk to me, ask me a question, get involved on the social media end. You can check out ScreenSpeak on its Facebook page as well as its Instagram page. So just search for ScreenSpeak on either of those platforms and you'll be in in no time. Uh, so go ahead and do that. And then really the last thing that I can ask of you to do, my, my fine listeners out there, is to just go ahead and talk about this podcast, share it, discuss it. Uh, get into it, get involved with it, get engaged with it. That's ultimately what I want out of this podcast is for fellow moviegoers, people that uh, have a passion for cinema, have a passion for film. Uh, you know, frankly, they they have movies speak to them, right? That's what I'm looking for. I want the movies to speak to people and I want us to connect over them. So that's really what I'm trying to do with this podcast in the grand scheme of things. Uh, and by having your help and support on doing that, that's really how that happens. So please, please go ahead and do that. Okay. Uh, plugs are done. Okay. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and get into today's episode. So on this episode, I... I, I could not be more thrilled to to share who I have on this episode today. So with me on this episode is Bruce Taylor, who is the owner and general manager of Collins Road Theaters here in the Cedar Rapids, Marion, Iowa area. Uh, let me tell you about this theater if you haven't heard of it, because I, I know there's other listeners outside of Iowa that probably don't know about this theater. So let me educate you a little bit. So Collins Road Theaters is a locally owned and operated budget cinema that features real self-serve butter. So it is real butter that is self-serve on your popcorn. And it's the only theater in the country, for that matter, that actually offers that. Uh, it's kind of crazy. I had to look into it myself, but it's true. The theater itself has been a staple for moviegoers in the Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Marion area for many, many years. And over those years, the theater has worked to garner a reputation for being among the cheaper theaters in town, and it also features a very warm and, and welcoming atmosphere, and a place, frankly, for all fans of movies to get together and enjoy movies the way that they are meant to be seen, which is on a big silver screen with premium surround sound. So you get all that and more with Collins Road Theaters. So... I think it should go without saying why I'm so excited for this episode, and it's for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, I am having an owner of a movie theater on this podcast. Like, that is huge for me. It's it's huge, and I had so many questions going into this episode that uh, I think I did my best to fit them all in, uh, but I could easily see Bruce coming back on and, and us getting into more discussions because the man is just a well of history and knowledge and has a lot to share uh, when it comes to his time in the movie theater world. So love, love to have you back on, Bruce, if you're listening to the playback on this. Uh, but anyways, I, I digress. Uh, this was a great episode. Really, really was. Uh, we got to record on location at Collins Road Theaters, which was terrific. Um, had the whole place basically to myself, which I, I, I don't know if that's really even heard of to be able to have that kind of access to a theater. Uh, but really, the, the, place, the place was mine for the time being, and I, and I was able to set up however I needed to do it and, and just get the job done. 
so when I got there, you know, I just tried to focus on getting things set up. I, I didn't really have time to like go and look, you know, like the projector rooms and things like that. Uh, maybe in another visit, I could get around to doing that. But when you're a one man show like I am, uh, well, you got to focus on the production first and the quality and then the rest of that stuff will come later. Um, but anyways, you know, the conversation that we had, I, I felt it was really good. It was really well-rounded. We covered a lot of subjects in the amount of time that we had. Uh, and I really think that you're going to enjoy it. We talk about Bruce himself, talk about the history of the theater. Uh, we talk about some of our favorite movies, least favorite movies. Uh, talk about just what theater going, uh, the theater going experience means to us. Um, talk about just the reflections that Bruce has had over the years on the theater uh, he's been doing it for almost 20 years, so you can imagine that he's got some stories to tell. Uh, and I really just found him, uh, Bruce himself, I, I found him to be very, very caring for his his customers. I think he really does care a lot about the movie-going experience and, and seeing movies on the big screen, and, and I could feel that passion come through in our conversation. I also just like the the way that he kind of carries himself. Uh, he, he comes from a small town. Uh, and those small town roots and, and that kind of small town uh, mentality, I think, extends into the service that he and his staff bring to the theater on a daily basis. So I, I really felt that. And I also learned quite a bit from just talking with him, um, learned a lot about how uh, the relationship between theaters and a distributor works to acquire movies, um, some of the expenses that go into running and operating a theater. A uh, lot, of, lot of little things, but really, really great stuff. All right, I think that's enough of an introduction on here, but if I may say one more thing before we get into the episode, it's this. Please go and check out Collins Road Theaters here in the Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Marion, Iowa area, please. Uh, I promise you'll be in for a good time. It's among one of the cheaper theaters that you'll find in that area. You have a great staff, you have a great owner, uh, and a place that really does care tremendously about the movie-going experience. So please uh, show your local business some support and check out Collins Road Theaters today. Without any further ado, this is my conversation with Bruce Taylor, the owner and general manager of Collins Road Theaters. Let's do this. Rock and roll. Do you, do you like uh, rock and roll? Oh, of course I do. Well, what do you listen to? The well, I, I tend to like classic uh, stuff from the seventies. Okay, so that's just a product of my upbringing. The Doobie Brothers are my favorite. Oh Pink yeah, Floyd. like what a fool believes. Yep, I know that. Well, listen to the music is, is the one that's, <laughs> that's my favorite. Um, and of course, Led Zeppelin. You can't go wrong with that. No. I, I know actually uh, around the the Paramount they have a, a cover group that goes down there, the Paramount Theater. I've I've heard of them, but I've never actually seen them but mm -hmm. in any case we're not here to talk about the 70s <laughs> no, no but well, we that, might. that's my roots but. <laughs> that's all right um so bruce thanks first off just for taking the opportunity or giving me the opportunity i should say to to have this sit down with you because i have a lot of questions i love movies anyone that's been listening to my podcast certainly knows that mm -hmm. uh and i'm just really excited to be able to give a local business owner a platform to be able to just share their insights and years of experience that i no doubt think that you have <laughs> yeah. well thank you for the, the sharing your platform the uh, i love to talk about the theater i love movies too mm -hmm. um the maybe a little bit different than some people you know some people are connoisseurs they notice every little detail in the lighting and things like that oh sure i, I watch movies as an escape it's just a, a way to forget about your daily grind and that's kind of why i'm here so before i get into all the questions i have for you i got a story i told you before i hit record i'm like i was saving it for the recording okay <laughs> um now i might get the year wrong on this but years and years ago when i was probably around 13 or 12 or 13 or so uh spider-man 2 was out and it, i think that's around 2004 or 5 we'll call it somewhere in that ballpark give or take yeah um and i came here to see it for the first time okay now the reason why this memory stands out because i've been to several theaters and seen stuff is because of how you bruce at the time were doing these uh contests where you would give away like concessions with like reading off ticket stub numbers mm -hmm. and whatnot i don't know if that's still a thing it could be but I remember it specifically 
specifically because you went through uh, all your numbers that you had and you ran out and I was like, ah, dang it, you know, didn't, <laughs> didn't, didn't win this time. But then you said, oh, okay, you know what, I'll, I'll give out another one if someone in the audience knows the theme song for the Spider-Man, oh, like no, the show. I remember you. <laughs> and, and I was just like, oh, uh, well, I'm like, I really want some popcorn and soda. And like, I, at the time, I was so mega shy and like doing that kind of thing is a nightmare. Uh, but I just remember I awkwardly got up and I was like, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. I remember it, I really did. <laughs> And uh, I'm glad you didn't continue your singing career, though. Just <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I remember specifically that I did it, I think, for about 30 seconds. And then you, I think, just out of mercy to me, you're just like, oh, okay, like, that, like that, that, that's enough. You can stop. I'll, I'll make sure you get your popcorn. Yeah, I could see where that would be a, a memory for you. Well, we, we did those drawings all the time, and people liked them a lot. And sometimes I'd, I'd mess around with folks just exactly like that. Do you still do those? Yes, the... believe it or not, just this past weekend. Okay. Um, we had to stop for a little while the thing the thing that we did on those we, i used to love to do it mm -hmm. and um but we changed our computer software that printed the tickets and so there's no longer a number on a stub that we can call out but uh, a couple weeks ago i got the bright idea because i really wanted to do it again and so i uh, got a little piece of plastic and put all the seat numbers on there so now i just call out the seat numbers and uh, but when they're not completely full murphy's law says i'm gonna call about half of them are gonna be empty seats but <laughs> it's still a lot of fun and still do the same thing now do you do those like specifically on like a weekend or i'm sure you have like a timing for it that makes sense the, mostly when when the auditorium is fairly full sure uh, because especially going by the seat numbers i don't want to call out a bunch of empty seats and and it's, it seems that i do mm -hmm. so uh the, the more people that are in the auditorium the more likely i'm gonna be able to do it that's awesome and also it depends on me having a minute to do it i actually got the idea from that from an old andy griffith show really um, um some people remember you know um, andy griffith and uh, you know playing sheriff taylor and all that but the, the the whole episode was around um they were giving away a uh, bicycle at the theater you mm -hmm. know back in the 50s you know that was the big day everybody went to the movie theater on saturday and so they're giving away a bicycle and i said you know i can't give away a bicycle but i can certainly give away some popcorn <laughs> and so that's how that got started that's awesome now i want to start things off officially by getting to know you because uh, I've done, you know, tried to do some research for this and whatnot, but I don't really actually see a lot about just the man that I'm sitting with here, which is you. <laughs> so my first official question for you is just where are you from? Um, I was born in Kentucky, raised in North Carolina. Some people pick up on the fact that I still have a little bit of Southern in my accent and then moved uh, to Iowa. And what do your parents do? The... Uh, the my dad was a, an engineer an electrical engineer okay and uh, my mom was mostly just a housewife this is back in the days when you just had housewives you didn't have to have two, right. two income families and uh, they uh, so we had pretty much a normal upbringing in kentucky and then we all moved to north carolina and you know i got old enough to move out on my own and next thing you know i'm owning movie theaters well what brought you to iowa the actually uh, at the time in north carolina in my adult life i was working for a computer software company i was the director of training uh, for a, a company that did 911 software police and fire uh, rescue that sort of thing and uh, i left um well actually I, I i left that company and started work uh, for a different company who laid me off they um uh, you know, in, in the IT industry, it's not uncommon to downsize. And I made it through three rounds of layoffs, but the fourth one, they finally caught up with me. Mm -hmm. And so I got laid off, and I moved to Iowa to go to work for another company who also laid me off. Oh, gosh. That's gosh. why I'm not working in IT anymore. <laughs> Well, and I, I mean, IT, I mean, I, I, I'm fairly proficient with computers, but certainly not in like that IT end of things. But I do know that field moves pretty fast and there's a lot of changes and, and whatnot. Unfortunately, some companies, I, I have a little bit of a dim view on some companies mm -hmm. that, that discard employees just like the discard old computers. Yeah. Um, you know, some of them, you know, some of them just, you know, they, they look to downsize their workforce and don't really care about the individual but in in the long run in hindsight it was catastrophic at the time mm -hmm. but i'm a whole lot better off now <laughs> that's awesome do you remember the first movie you ever watched i do what's that mary poppins mary poppins <laughs> you remember the place like where you were at uh it was the united artist theater in louisville kentucky i actually remember wow. that it was the first time i'd ever been to a a, a, a theater a, a movie in a theater mm -hmm. and i was just amazed and um 
the and I won't say whether or not Mary Poppins was in its original release or not, but right. um, but it was it was absolutely. Okay, I'll say it. It was the original release, <laughs> and uh, but it it just amazed me. You know, the big screen, the, all the colors, and and all that kind of stuff, and the big sound system. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's nothing compared to what we have now with digital. Um, but then to a kid who was actually pretty young, um, it was amazing. And I've always seen movies as an escape since then. And do you remember the last movie that you watched? Yeah, the knock at the cabin. <laughs> How's that? The it's it's good. It's worth watching. It's yeah. not going to win any Academy Awards. Nah. Uh, M Night Shyamalan. He he is known for really really weird movies, <laughs> and and this one definitely qualifies. No exception then. <laughs> yep. Um, what's your favorite snack that you that you enjoy? It's not your, popcorn anymore. <laughs> it's not popcorn anymore. I I like popcorn, but I'm almost sick of that. The uh, uh, we do have caramel corn that we make right here, and really? I, I like that, but. The um, you know because it's nice and crunchy. We make it right here at the theater, mm-hmm. but uh, I still got to watch that a little bit. And who would you say inspires you, um, or has inspired you throughout your life? You know, I'm not sure if I can accredit one individual. Um, I'm inspired by our customers that mm-hmm. come here to the theater. I, I I talk to the customers quite a bit, and you know I ask them what do they like and what do they want, and so you know that becomes an inspiration for me. A lot of what you see here at the theater is based on conversations and feedback from customers. Mm-hmm. Also, the staff exactly the same thing. The staff see it more from my standpoint, and so they make suggestions on you know we ought to get such and such. And sometimes it's as simple as you know the caramel corn, for instance. You know we mm-hmm. didn't start off with that. Um, and you know, it, it, to me, that's all an inspiration. I don't know that I can give one particular individual credit. Yeah, I mean, it, it's that's a tough question, especially when you're put on the spot with it. Um, I think for myself, you know, I per, a person's first notion is like you think maybe of somebody that's like really prominent and important, and they've done a bunch of stuff, but it doesn't have to be like that. Uh, I have people that inspire me that are just you know family and friends, and they're mm-hmm. nobody, you know, nobody special on paper, uh, but they certainly are to me. Um, now, if you're describing yourself to someone, I mean, like, would you say you're like soft-spoken, you're loud, you're quiet? Like, what's what's your personality like? Oh, it, it, my true personality kind of depends on the mood and the situation. What mood are you in right now? Uh, talkative. <laughs> talkative. That's good. But that's a good thing for a podcast. And, yeah. And that actually, you know, I'm, I'm not shy. I don't mind talking to a total stranger. And that's one thing that makes my job a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I. I frequently stand in the lobby and uh, and people come up to me and talk and you know some people are introverts and some people are extroverts some people can't stand to talk to somebody who who they don't know and i, I relish it it gives me a chance to learn something new uh, or at least have some uh, conversation that i wasn't planning for today it's it, to me it's a lot of fun that's one of the reasons i love podcasting is for some of the reasons you said and that you get to talk with people that you wouldn't ordinarily get to spend time with and you get to just learn a lot of things from them mm-hmm. And I know myself, I'm a very curious person, so I am fascinated by a lot of different things, but namely the world of movies and entertainment. Um, so I think that's nice that you kind of recognize that and have that self-awareness about you. I do. It's it's fun to get other people's points of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hear it with movies especially. You know, people say, oh, that movie stunk. And somebody else says, oh, I love that movie. And, you know, every movie, there's somebody who loves it and somebody who hates it. Every single one. Mm-hmm. And uh, fortunately, more people love most of them. Now, do you – everybody has, like, a divisive movie opinion where it's like you love something but somebody else doesn't like it and, and vice versa. Would you say there's a movie where you're like, I love this one but everybody can't stand it oh not that really comes to mind but yeah i I do know of times that i've liked movies that everybody else didn't like at all Mm -hmm. um i I can't think of any that come to mind right off hand Uh, maybe if i think of something i'll (laughs) let you know a little bit later on no it's all right i i think for myself usually the one i get a lot of slack on is uh, uh the movie elf Will Ferrell. Um, I see. I, I don't like. I don't like the movie. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's <laughs> I, 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 but I thought it was good. It's entertainment. It's. Yeah. I mean, it's silly. It, and of course, that's Will Ferrell. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's a lot of movies. Matter of fact, there's no movies that are absolutely true to life. Um, sure. You know, if you've made a movie about real life, nobody would watch it because it'd be the boring <laughs> thing in the world. Um, 
But uh, movies like Elf, in particular, it's one of our more popular. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, that, I mean, um, it's it's become a classic over the years. Have, uh, companies that come in and, and they have their their corporate Christmas party here, mm-hmm. and that's probably the most popular, most commonly really? requested movie. Wow, um, and so we've played it many, many times. Now I, you know, I, I, I say it for myself. I mean, there's. I actually think I talked about it in a past podcast, like the the, the reasons why. So I won't, I won't divulge into that here. Um, but I've never understood why, like, if you know, I like a movie or don't like a movie, or, or you know, vice versa. You do. It's, it's all, it's all subjective. It's mm-hmm. all an opinion. I, I sometimes I see people where they're like, "You don't like this movie? Oh my gosh!" <laughs> you know, and they and they just can't stand it. And I'm like, well, but it's not. A big deal like i have my experiences so i view it i view it through a certain lens and you view it through a certain lens so it's like i don't really know if you can always definitively say that something so is like really good or bad what don't you like about elf what's not to like <laughs> um i i think for me it's got to be more of a personal thing with just will ferrell's character in the movie uh he's very he's very loud and i know he's basically supposed to be a man child in the movie and you know he's not supposed to be like an elf he's like twice the height of them and stuff but just something about his sense of humor in the movie didn't mesh with me Hmm. um so it's purely just me it's it's not like the film itself has like flaws and like the bad writing or something like that i can't say that Mm -hmm. um purely just a humor thing so you thought it wasn't realistic enough is that what it is no no i just i i I think there's like the moments in the movie where like people laugh a lot and like i just kind of was like well like okay like that's it, it just didn't really didn't really click on the okay, humor I'll put you on a spot on your own podcast <laughs> what do you think it. about napoleon dynamite i i like that movie a lot i didn't like it at first uh used to actually hate the movie because i was very socially awkward in high school uh and so sometimes people thought i kind of talked like napoleon because he has that very monotone like <laughs> you know oh tina like you know that whole thing um but strangely enough years later i actually got to meet the cast uh, so I've I've met all of them and um, they they had a screening at the Paramount Theater here in Cedar Rapids and like it was a full circle thing I got to tell them I'm like <laughs> I'm like this movie used to drive me insane but over the years I now appreciate the humor that's in it. Mm-hmm. Do you like that movie? I did and mostly because it's just so quirky. Yes, the, it's very if you actually quirky. watched it as as in as a movie by itself. It's probably terrible, but it's also a perfect example of a movie you have to watch with an audience because you pick up on where everybody else is laughing, Absol- even though absolutely. you didn't think it was funny. Absolutely, and you know people were quoting lines from that movie for years and years, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I still have cool ninja moves. You know, you got ninja moves? <laughs> yeah, well, not not that I can do on a podcast. <laughs> I was gonna say you can make sound effects and like you, people can think about what it what it, you must be doing. <laughs> Um, so I, I want to talk about the the theater itself, of course, because we're recording in the theater, which, by the way, that's just extremely generous of you to let me do this oh, it's in the pleasure. theater. I think it's great. The um, seats are comfy, so it works. It is very comfy. Uh, but I want to know, how did the theater start? I mean, that's the basic question to start with. Well, it, it is actually it tails after the conversation that we had a minute ago about mm-hmm. me getting laid off from IT. Uh, the second time I got laid off was the second time in a year from a different company. And I'm thinking, okay, my first thought was, I don't want to go to work for somebody who's just going to lay me off. It's you know, a pretty major thing to get laid off. Yeah. And um, so I was going to start my own software company doing a similar type of thing to what I was doing. And you know, I had the knowledge and, and everything that I could have done it. But I'm thinking, okay, I'm just going to be another mom-and-pop shop trying to get started. There was a whole bunch of them at the time in, in software. So maybe I should think about something else. And, you know, I did some soul searching. And, you know, what have I ever done in my life that I would not view like a job that I really, really wanted to do? And coming up through high school, I ran projectors in the local movie theater. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm thinking – and also I I spent some time managing some theaters after that. And I'm thinking, I love that. It was great. Didn't pay a whole, you know, a whole heck of a lot. Um, And it was sometimes kind of thankless, but it was fun. Mm -hmm. And so – I said, I think I'm going to open a drive-in, because we didn't have a drive-in around here. Uh, still don't. <laughs> the only one that comes to mind is around the Makokoda area. There's one in Makokoda. Yeah. There's one down in the Quad Cities. There's there's a couple spotted around the state. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I was you know, mentally I was laid off, unemployed, and mentally putting together a plan for a drive-in, and I was just driving around. And I drove down Lindale Drive, and, and just coincidence i've never been in here before so i made the turn next to farmer state bank Mm -hmm. and what do i see i see collins road five theaters 
with a four leaf sign down in the bottom. And it's just like I pulled up and it's right straight in front of you. And I'm thinking, I can't pass up that sign. <laughs> and so, so I started asking. I'm thinking, okay, I can't afford this. I can't put this together. Mm-hmm. And I called the landlord and talked about it. And he said, you know, we talked. And he said, actually, that I was the first person that he talked to that he felt like could probably pull it off. Um, told me that after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mortgaged the house and did all kinds of stuff. And next thing you know, here's Collins Red Theaters. Goodness gracious. I mean, when, when, now, when did your initial involvement go into it? Because I know you said it was Collins Road 5, like when you it first initially saw it. Of course, the place had been closed down. The, the, <clears throat> the building itself, the, the theater here, uh, used to be owned by Carmike. Uh, they filed for a bankruptcy in 2001. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of a paper bankruptcy. They were actually just looking for an excuse to get us some leases in order to tighten up the company. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this was one of the theaters that they closed. Um, and so in 2003, that's when I'm having this conversation with the uh, the landlord. It's, it's up for lease. It had been empty for two years. Okay. Um, they had stripped out all the seats and all the equipment. And, you know, it was basically just the walls that were all that was left. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so, you know, that's, you know, in 2003 is when, when I got laid off and found this. Do you remember the grand opening day, like when you officially like okay, you're like you you I know you got like the business, <laughs> just like yesterday. It was, it was it was a big day. Um, the it was December the fifth, two thousand three, mm-hmm. and uh, we had spent the whole week. Well, I'd actually, I spent a couple months ordering equipment, getting it all installed, things like that, and um, we had started training with the staff on. Um, Tuesday and Wednesday, I'd been hiring all the staff. We hired, I think, uh, 30, 25 or 30 people. Mm-hmm. And um, then on Thursday, we had a soft opening. And so the staff invited all their friends, all their family and everything. And we just showed movies and fixed popcorn and stuff. Mm-hmm. Also, I invited the various different VIPs, like from the bank and stuff, that had helped us. Sure. And uh, so we made kind of a party out of it that Thursday. And we opened up on Friday for regular business. and. Other than snow, we've never and snow derechos mm-hmm. and um, and the p- pandemics. Yeah, we've been open ever since. Now, how long? I mean, now this is going back again to like the 2003 time of when things were first starting here. But I imagine, like any business that's you know trying to gather a local following in the community. Do you feel like that just sort of happened organically over time due to people liking the staff and like the the location? I mean, I'm just curious how it's grown over time. I don't think it happened by accident. Um, Part of it, I had a little bit of an advantage because it was a movie theater. And, Mm -hmm. you know, at the time there were two movie theaters in town, uh, the Windsong uh, down on the south side and Carmike 7. And so, you know, this guy coming along to open a third movie theater. And so I got a lot of public attention, the media and things like that. Uh, next thing was that when we did open, uh, you know, I told you I had kind of a small town atmosphere. I told you about the, mm-hmm. uh, the Andy Griffith thing. And, um, you know, and so I tried to treat our customers like a small town theater. And so word of mouth spread big time. And everybody said, hey, see that new place and all that? Mm-hmm. And so that helped quite a bit. Um, the staff that we had was fantastic. Uh, they all shared the same visit. They, they saw the, the gleam in my eye, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so they did an excellent job of passing that on, providing super customer service. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, so all that kind of came together, and that's how, how we got established, uh, even when another company came to town in 2004 and built a brand new theater. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't lose our place at all. Yeah, no, I mean, because to me, uh, now I've been in the Cedar Rapids area, Marion, you know, the whole thing, uh, pretty much most of my life. I was born in Texas, uh, divorced parents, so I'd go back and forth between Wisconsin, but I've mostly been around the CR area. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Collins Road, I mean, if I ask most anybody I know in my circles about it, they've certainly heard of it and probably been there, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, like you said, that doesn't happen by accident. Um, obviously, that takes a lot of work and years <laughs> yeah. uh, to cultivate the reputation, but I, I think it's a good reputation from what I can tell. Well, we we don't always make everybody happy, but the goal well, is to try will. to make everybody happy. Yeah. Um, yeah, we... Uh, there's no one particular thing that I can claim to you know, be our claim to success. Mm-hmm. It's a combination of just sincerely trying to do the best we can, mm-hmm. trying to treat people as nicely as we can. All our prices are conspicuously cheaper than any other theater in town. Uh, anybody who's ever been here before has heard me brag about we're the only theater that has uh, self-serve real butter. And when I say that, 
you know, number one, we have Real Butter, which is unique anyhow. But we are literally the only theater in the whole country that has self-serve Real Butter. Mm-hmm. There are some theaters that have Real Butter, but it's behind the counter. There are some people that have self-serve artificial flavored stuff. Mm-hmm. We're the only one in the country that has self-serve Real Butter, and I don't mind telling people that. <laughs> and how did you get that? Um, the, well, we just started doing it. <laughs> you just sort of just yeah, like, why is nobody doing we were this? the only ones. The, um, you know, it, I was thinking I wanted to try to make it a nice place. So I said, I will, uh, you know, I wanted to make the butter machine accessible to the customers so they could put it on themselves, mm-hmm. speeds our, our service up, and makes them feel like they're doing something. And, right. And completely separately decided because the tower, the, the, the butter tower that we got had two dispensers, I will, well, we'll do one of them with the artificial stuff and one of them with real butter. And I didn't even know I was setting a, a precedent, but it's, it's kind of fun. No, I, I mean, I suppose the temptation would be is just don't make half your bucket be filled with butter and the, the rest be popcorn. Unfortunately, <laughs> that does happen. I've gone yeah. through it. I've cleaned up, and there's literally an inch and a half of butter in the oh bottom of the bucket. And, you know, we're paying seven bucks a pound for that stuff because it really is real butter. Yeah. And um, it's, it's a little disappointing. I did have a father tell me just two weeks ago. He said his son – did something along that line, and there was, you know, like a half an inch of butter mm-hmm. in the bottom. He made his son eat it. What? <laughs> I, think, I think he might regret it later. But, but he actually made him eat it and because uh, he just couldn't stand a waste like that. Oh, my gosh. And I'm gosh. thinking, thanks, Dad. You know? <laughs> Jeez. Now, I, I remember uh, also just in the history of the theater that there was a time, and fairly fairly recent, I think you made the switch, that there was uh, second-run movies that would be here as opposed to first-run. I was maybe hoping that you could elaborate on just what the difference is. Well, the, the, well, the, the difference between second-run and first-run um, should, to some people, would be pretty obvious. The, when movies are released, uh, you know, there's a national release date, mm-hmm. and the first-run theaters get to play them. Uh, for a period of time and the distributors will allow other theaters to play them after that first it it varies depending on the release plans but you know it could be six or eight weeks Um, and they'll let other theaters play them a second run for a reduced price and so uh, there were two other theaters in town both of them owned by Carmike at the time and um, so I decided in the beginning that we would be a discount theater um, and run second run movies um, and not try to compete with them. I'd, the 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 most toward competing with the other theaters was, you know, I would say, you know, please hurry up and get done with it so I can play it. Um, and then we do it cheaper. And so that was that was our original business model, and that was actually pretty good, um, and lasted for years and years. Well, fast forward to about oh somewhere in the mid twenty teens, mm-hmm. thirteen or fourteen, something like that. Uh, another theater in town was in trouble, and you know their their business had dropped off and stuff, and so they reduced their price, ticket price, to match our prices in order to try to compete. Mm-hmm. However, that theater was running first run movies, and for the same money we were running second run movies, and I said no, 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 you know we need to be on a level field. If they're going to compete with the price, they have to run second run movies. Mm-hmm. If you're going to let them charge that price, then I need to run first-run movies. I said, it doesn't matter as long as we're both treated fairly. And uh, the studio said, well, okay, you can run first-run movies. <laughs> and I said, that's how we ended up switching from second-run to first-run movies. We were completely forced into it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, um, the the rental that the the, the, the or royalty that they charge for the movies is considerably higher. But that was, you know, it was a matter of, you know, if you could spend five dollars to see a first-run movie at this theater, or five dollars to wait to see it six weeks later at my theater, mm-hmm. you know, that that's just a, a recipe for disaster. That wasn't going to work. So um, our first weekend that we we switched over to first-run movies was Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah, uh, which yeah. was a great movie. I saw and, that in this uh, in this theater. Yeah, <laughs> yep. and uh, I really liked that movie. And uh, we also had uh, was it the same week or the next week? I forget which was the Star Is Born. Yeah, um, that's a good one. And uh, so that was our our switch to first run. And um, we actually had a lot of feedback. Uh, well, not a lot. Several mm-hmm. very vocal customers said, "Well, you know, I like doing the second run movies." And I said. Okay, but if you can see the first round movie for exactly the same price, why not? Well, I, I didn't mind waiting. I said, but go back to what I said. It's the same price. Why right. wait? You know, and well, I'm just not going to come there anymore. <laughs> okay, you're an idiot. 
<laughs> Would you say that the, you know, between the, the switch of going from second run to first run, Historically speaking, has that been one of the bigger changes over the years, or what would you say some of the biggest changes that have happened over time have been? Well, that's the most significant change, uh, mm-hmm. because our original plan was for second-run movies. And so we got forced into the first-run uh, world by another theater. Um, also, um, the the modernization of the whole industry uh, in exhibition. Uh, other big milestones were the switch to from film, 35 millimeter film, to digital projection, mm-hmm. uh, which we did in 2013, I think. Um, and um, the switch from conventional seats to recliners that we're sitting in now, mm-hmm. uh, that actually started in 20, um, actually it started with the, we got recliners finally uh, when we had to close down for the derecho. show. Mm-hmm. Um, I had just bought all these brand new seats uh, to replace the old ones we had, and they were nice conventional seats. Uh, but then the derecho came along in 2020. Boy, that was a year. Yeah. And um, the it tore up the theater pretty badly and uh, tore off part of the roof membrane, so all the seats got leaked on, and so I had to replace the seats. And mm-hmm. at that point, you know, I um, had to change to the recliners, and... Uh, Boy, people have made a lot of comments about their recliners being so nice. Yeah. And so now we have first-run movies, recliners, uh, everything you can possibly imagine. We're still cheaper than any other theater in town. Not that I'm trying to be too competitive. But <laughs> sure. I'm thinking, okay, you know, come on over. Mm-hmm. You can save a lot of money, be treated like you're a, a small-town guy from Mayberry and, and sit in recliners. <laughs> you know? I do feel it's interesting that you say the small-town thing um, just because – you know, I haven't been able to, I guess, put a word on it, but sometimes, yeah, when I've come here in the past, I do get kind of that smaller town vibe with the theater. It's intentional. Yeah, I was I was just going to ask. It must be. Um, and that kind of leads me to just asking if you had to define, and perhaps it's out there on your guys' website or something, um, what do you think is the mission of, of Collins Road Theater? I don't know if we have a concrete mission. Yeah. Um, the, the the initial mission, I guess, was you know cheaper movies, uh, better service, uh, and but we had to do it with second run movies in mm-hmm. order to, to be competitive with the price, um, and uh, and so our, our mission we don't have a formal mission statement, but still it's the same thing: better uh, better movies, cheaper price, or, or better service uh, and cheaper price. Um, you had touched on this before we hit record on there. You mentioned uh, Cedar Rapids Film Festival, yep. right? Because one of my questions was just asking, um, speaking of like local filmmakers and things like that, have you ever hosted an event or partnered with someone to you know kind of just help support and champion local art? We have the uh, well, the the film festival is is the biggest example. We started hosting that in uh, we started in two thousand. Four right after we opened, mm-hmm. uh, and have hosted it here every year except for uh, during the pandemic time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did bring it back last year, and we're looking forward to it in April of this year, the 14th and 15th. Um, we have also, um, on several di- different occasions, um, shown movies from independent and local filmmakers, uh, especially some one-off type situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, an example is uh, um, a movie. Um, no, I can't remember the name of it now. Sixteen, sweet six, something about sixteen. It was filmed up in McGregor, Iowa. Okay. And so we showed a pre premiere of it here. Um, you know, for one day, the some of the stars. You know, they're all you know low, you know B level stars. Mm-hmm. You know, but the stars came and we had a premiere. Uh, we have a local filmmaker, Adam Orton, who has been here uh, with his films, and um, he did a big premiere of Amelia 2.0 that was filmed in Cedar Rapids, and uh, we filled up. Uh, all five auditoriums, you know, 850 seats mm-hmm. uh, with one show of Amelia. And it was amazing. Wow. How did people learn more about, like, things like the Cedar Rapids Film Festival and whatnot? Uh, best thing is keep an eye on our webpage. Um, mm-hmm. We also have a newsletter that you can subscribe to, and I'll mention things about it then. And, you know, I might not go into a lot of detail about the film festival, but I'll give you a link on, you know, other things yeah. to, to go over there. 
Um, just because I, the reason I ask is just because I know, obviously, I'm a very passionate person about this subject, and I know there are others that are, but I don't think they always know where to look and seek out these opportunities in this area. Maybe around like Iowa City, where there's more of a college town, and there's, you know, they have a film department and all that stuff, but I don't know about the Cedar Rapids area as much. Well, the when it comes to filmmaking, Iowa has a, a, an office dedicated. You know, the state government has an office dedicated to filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so somebody who is a uh, a budding filmmaker would know about that probably, or at least if they don't, they need to to look up the yeah, Iowa just office. Do the research. Yeah, and uh, so uh, as far as there's a lot of opportunities for the public though, and that's what the film festival mm-hmm. or you know these unique situations like Amelia 2.0 or. Or things like that, and then it's just a matter of paying attention to local advertising. Yeah. Um, if it has to do with film and has to do with here, like like I said, I'll put something on our web page mm-hmm. um, and include it in the newsletter. Um, so, you know, it just depends. Different people. You know, some people are just very casual moviegoers. They yeah. just they go if they hear about something, you know, that strikes their fancy. But you know, they might not ever hear about 16 other things that strike would have struck their fancy if they'd been paying attention. And then some people are diehard film people. We have a lot of customers that are here literally every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they'll come in and say, okay, what are we going to see this week? They, you know, they just know that they're going to come on a certain day of the week. Yeah. So let's fast forward to today, right? We went through some of the history and whatnot. Uh, you, Bruce Taylor, give me a day in the life. Like, what is a typical day for you here running the theater? I'm sure there is <laughs> no typical a day. Question: There is no typical day. Um, one of my favorite sayings around here is, you know, some there's some some kind of something that happens virtually every single day. Some mm-hmm. major piece of equipment breaks, or something goes wrong. We have an upset customer. We have an extra happy customer. Uh, we have special shows. There's something unique about virtually every single day. One of my favorite sayings is, why can't we just unlock the doors, show movies, and then go home? It just <laughs> never happens that way. There's always something that just completely screws up my plans for the day. And how do you, uh, you know, just navigate that? I mean, do you just have to be light on your feet and kind of, you know, have Pretty to much. not, you yeah, know, just basically keep yourself controlled? You have to basically you prioritize chaos, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, which, how important is this or how important is that compared to something else? And so the plans do get derailed with something that has to be fixed. Um, you know, a good example is the ice machine went out a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, so I spent a couple of days getting the ice machine back together. Um, you know, because we're a discount theater, I don't necessarily hire technicians. I learn how to fix ice machines. <laughs> and uh, so I did, did I'd work on the projectors ourselves and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And every one of those things is a challenge, but that's part of the deal. You know, it's, it's what you sign up for. Right? Pretty much. What would you, you know, if you could maybe tell uh, just some of the listeners that are out there, like some surprising things about running a theater that the average person would maybe not realize actually goes on. I feel like you must have some insight on that. There's things that people don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, some of it's just the business model. People come in and they think they, they pay six ninety nine or eight ninety nine for a ticket and they think I put all that in my pocket. And that's not the case. Um, it, it varies with the film, but most of that goes to the studios. Yeah. That's how Tom Cruise can have such a big fancy house and stuff like that. Um, so that's one thing that the public just doesn't understand. Is like the the percentage uh, distribution basically for the profits from revenue on, on ticket sales, like that kind of thing? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they get a percentage, and it's the majority. It, it, like I say, it varies, and you know, for non-disclosure reasons, I can't go into exact percentages. Sure, of course, I can say it's it's the majority of it. Yeah, um, and you know, that gets paid out to the studios, whether we turn a profit on the movie or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we still have the rent that goes on. People, a lot of people don't understand the expenses that go into a business, especially one that's physically as big as this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, our rent runs nineteen thousand dollars a month. I can say that. Uh, 19, you can buy a car with what we pay in rent every single month. Yeah. Um, so please buy popcorn when you come in. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, like, that's a pretty good plug to just yeah. be like, hey, like the costs are it costs a lot. Yeah. Um, let me let me ask as well. Um, you know, you talked about the, the percentages and I know you can't get into too much with that with NDAs and whatnot, but. What does it look like to, I guess, talk with, you know, the studios for when they do give you guys films? I mean, is it like I just I'm curious how that trade off kind of happens and how you guys communicate. 
Well, fortunately, I have a, a booking agent that does most of that one-on-one dialogue with them sure. on my behalf. Uh, but I do end up getting drug into it sometimes, whether I like it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally speaking, most of the time, the studio already has a plan in mind for a release of every movie. It's unique to every movie. And so they'll know that they're going to put it on X number of screens and you know what the date's going to be. And so there's not really that much discussion that needs to be had. Um, you know, for instance, uh, Ant-Man's coming up here in a couple weeks. Yep. And, uh, you know, they already know what they're going to do with it. They said, okay, you're going to play this, right? Yep. Okay, that's as much negotiation as there is. And uh, so most of the time it's pretty simple. What are some of the, you know, what's the future looking like for the theater? I mean, like, what, what are you guys hoping to achieve this year? Uh, for this theater or yeah. the industry in general? No, not uh, just this theater. Yeah, this yeah. theater, we, we plan to keep on keep on going just pretty much like we are mm-hmm. um we're always doing little things like uh, right now i'm working on a bathroom uh, remodeling project uh stuff like that but you know i don't think your listeners really want to hear about us fixing oh, the toilets the, the plumbers <laughs> that are listening they're just like i want to know what's going on with that bathroom <laughs> yeah i'm sure there's a lot of plumbers tuned in right now too uh, so we, we have ongoing projects but nothing nothing it, we don't have any imminent plans for anything big um Actually, the biggest thing we had planned happened about three weeks ago. We switched over our web page. Oh, uh, yeah, I saw that. And, you guys have a new website. And that's that's probably the biggest thing for at least the next couple months. Mm-hmm. And uh, the new website is, is actually a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just a different look. Um, it's a completely different companies taking it over and has a lot of flexibility and functionality we didn't have before. Uh, for instance, you can, you've always been able to buy advanced tickets on our webpage, but now if something happens, you can cancel your own tickets without having to call us or do anything. There's just a button there on the webpage, you know, next to your bookings that says, okay, cancel this one. And you can cancel it anytime you want to with 60 minutes notice. But you know, mm-hmm. the reason for the 60 minutes is just so we can have time to get somebody else in that seat. And, uh, people, like that it's taken a little i mean it's three weeks you know there's not that many people have been canceling sure um but um well we actually had, for the snow today we had <laughs> we did have somebody that canceled um and i saw you uh, there's a mobile app i think as well or i don't know if the, that's connected well, to the yes website no. it, there's a transition to a new mobile app yeah. uh, that matches the web page functionality okay now for to get those things out through apple and, and the google store and things like that there's there's about a, a four to six week wait time to get apps put out because mm-hmm. they have to run it through their um, you know, they examine it to see if there's any viruses and make sure it meets all their standards and stuff before they put it out. So the company's actually produced the app, but we're not distributing it yet until we're working on the, the app stores. In the meantime, we did already have a mobile app um, that goes directly into our system, so there's no service charge on the mobile app. Um, and, you know, that is connectly, directly connected to our, our ticketing system. And uh, that will continue to function until the new mobile app is available mm-hmm. um and then secretly it'll continue to function after the mobile it would, in other words we're not going to take that one down people like that a lot it's the simplest app you've ever seen before and there's no service charge no so, that, that's great so we'll leave that on for anybody who wants to keep using it <laughs> now, now let me ask because uh how, how long you've been doing this uh 20 years in december well, that's a long time it really is so i imagine in all that time you must have some reflections on things there, there must be some things that you kind of look back on and, and ponder or think about from time to time so i want to hit you with some of some of those questions i got on that okay um first thing is you know starting on the positive just what are the biggest successes that you think that you've seen in your time here uh the fact that we're still afloat 20 years later is actually pretty amazing yeah um you know, I don't know the exact statistic, but most startup businesses fail in the first couple three years, mm-hmm. um, and we didn't. It was it was ugly there at, back in the beginning, trying to get everything balanced and get our equipment paid for and, and things mm-hmm. like that. But 20 years later, we're pretty well established, um, and I'm I'm really proud of just having lived this long. So sure. And what about you know on the the darker side of things with like failures and whatnot? I mean, I'm sure there's been some missteps and course corrections that you've had to make over time. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know of any actual intentional failures. Um, yeah. The, no. the, the <clears throat> some things have worked out better than others. Um, the I take it as a personal failure every time we have an unhappy customer. 
um, you know, if somebody you know chews me out because of this, that, and the other, right? Um, you know, puts a bad review on Facebook or something like that. I take literally every single one of those personally because every single one of them is an attack on me and, and the way that I do the business. Yeah, it reflects uh, on you r- in a way. Business. And my goal is to try to make everybody happy. You can't always meet that goal, but I do my very best to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I look at each one of those as a little mini failure every single time that there's an unhappy customer. And have laid in bed many, many nights. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, depending on the severity of it as well, I mean, you can't help but feel that. Um, what about some of the lessons that you've learned since you've been doing this? Um, the, the most important lesson is treat people nicely. Um, and by nicely, I mean give them good service, treat them with respect, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. Um, always uh, treat your customers the very best that you can. Uh, Sure, there's been some customers that say, oh, I was rude to them, or staff members that say I, I had a high expectations. But, you know, I do have high expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, but always always try to, to, to do the best you can. Um, and uh, one of the things, if, if something does go wrong, if the lines get backed up or a movie's a little bit late getting started for some technical reason, I always try to tell the people, um, tell the customers what's going on. Uh, people can tolerate almost anything if you just let them know what, why it didn't start. And if you don't let them know why something didn't start, then they perceive you don't give a hoot about them. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask. Uh, let me ask you as well. You know, this is more broadly speaking on the industry because we've talked about the theater and, and whatnot. But you know, theaters right now. I don't think I have to tell you. There's there's competition with streaming. Uh, there's we're, we're living in a golden age, in my opinion, of just there's being an abundance of content, but at the same time, it can kind of be a hindrance because of the available options and ways to watch stuff. So I'm curious for you, Bruce, when you look at just the industry of theaters, I mean, where do you where do you see things headed? Um, I don't think there's to me. In one way, there's there's not that much competition between movie theaters and streaming. Mm-hmm. It's a different experience. Uh, the thing that I love about movies the the most is that it's an escape from reality, and it's you know so that by itself means a different place and a different presentation than what you're used to seeing. Instead of sitting on your couch watching it on your TV, at right? Home. Um, it's it, it's a different experience, and um, I think that you know, movies are are Obviously, I'm a little bit biased, but I, I, I think it's just you know, a really good form of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, people who just watch movies streaming or even, oh, my gosh, so many people are just watching them on their phones and stuff nowadays. Yes, I This know. is not the same experience. No. Um, I mean, Avatar on a, on a six-inch wide screen on your phone. Think about it. It's, that would make James Cameron weep, I think, like thinking of people watching it like that. He's going to hold off on, on releasing the cell phones just as long as he can. Yeah. You know, you spend a billion dollars making a movie for somebody to watch on a six-inch wide screen. Um, It's just a mess. I have a lot of passion for the theatrical going experience because I think, in in my opinion, and it sounds like you're in a similar vein on this, that streaming and theaters, they can coexist. You know, like there is differences between one over the other. Um, For myself, I know you brought up the escapism point. If I'm watching something at home on my couch and, you know, granted, I might not have to deal with somebody that's like, you know, eating popcorn loudly or talking or some of those things. But you know what? I always have the temptation that, like, you know, I can get on my phone. I can go up into the kitchen and go do something. I can do a million things to distract me. So my attention is never solely focused on what's going on here. Exactly. And then for that matter, too, um, you had touched on it earlier. I I can't remember which movie you were saying. Um, Might have been Elf, actually. Uh, Seeing something with a crowd... Um, is a different experience. It's not the same as just me watching it by myself, especially like if you point out like a comedy, because uh, sometimes people laugh because others are laughing. Um, so there's a very unique communal experience, I think, that goes with movie theaters that I don't want people to take for granted. It is. That, and to me, that's the big thing. Um, you know, movies, most movies, or at least some movies, are better with an audience, mm-hmm. uh, like Napoleon Dynamite that I mentioned earlier. Oh, that, and, that was it. <laughs> um, and the 
Oh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh my gosh, that's so much better with an audience. Mm-hmm. We had uh, we had girls that were dancing in the front row and stuff <laughs> like that, you know. And of course, they might have been doing that at home too, but it's just not the same experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, at home, right? Like you said, you do have the distractions and stuff like that. Yeah. At the theater, we do have sometimes inconsiderate uh, moviegoers that do talk during the movies and stuff. And, sure. And so we we shush them, and we are very strict about our cell phone policy. Yep. Um, and uh, people like that, except for the person we tell to get off their phone. Right. Uh, the, invariably, if we tell somebody to get off their phone, this well, it's not bothering anybody. Well, okay, would we have even known about it if it wasn't bothering anybody? Mm-hmm. Uh, some people are inconsiderate, but as long as you're considerate, as long as the crowd around you is considerate, it's a, a whole different experience. The way I look at it on a on a big picture scale, and, and then I'll keep going here is. I am I'm somebody again I said a few times I'm very passionate about movies on a lot of levels but also yes from just the overall making of the film. Now I'm not going to, you know, go into all the technical stuff of like oh the camera and the lights and everything. Yeah. But I am pretty astute with a lot of the information I know about it and I know how many people slave to work so hard to get these films made. It's a big deal. It's it's huge. I mean, people dedicate years of their life uh, and employees. A large percentage of people in the entertainment industry gives jobs. Um, so there's a lot of things. And so when I go into a movie theater or even a live performance for that matter, and I sit down, I am thinking they have worked so hard just to give me like an hour and a half or two hours of entertainment the least that i can do is not be on my phone and do all this stuff because to me that's a disservice to them i agree you know and and so i i feel pretty strongly about that um i hope that people that listen to this don't get deterred by somebody that doesn't make it great for an audience going member because i think I'd like to say they're few and far between, but it's hard for me to say I don't work in a theater. But it's like, don't let that take away from going to the actual theater. I do get complaints like that, that, oh, you know, I'd like to go to the theater. But, you know, that guy across the aisle, you know, munching on his popcorn so much. Mm -hmm. Well, I would like to encourage, I'm not asking everybody to be a tattletale. But if there's somebody doing that, if you could bring it to our attention, I don't mind saying something to them and, and doing it anonymously if somebody's talking or on their cell phones or something like that. Um, and to try to make it a better experience. Some people just don't know. Some people are kind of, I hate to use the word selfish, but it's actually the right word to use. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they don't think about other people in, in the movie. So yeah. if you do ever come to a theater here, I mean, to a movie here, um, and there's somebody who's detracting from the experience, kind of let us know somehow. Um, the, it's so disappointing when um, we have somebody that you know comes out and on the way out of the movie says, that guy was talking through the whole movie or using this. Okay, mm-hmm. tell us why we can do something. We really will. And we won't say, oh, they said something. Right. right. Um, and so we'll try to make the experience the best we can. We do have ushers and, and things like that that do make checks in the auditorium, mm-hmm. um, you know, through every show. But sometimes they don't catch everything. Yeah, but I, I'm sure. I mean, at least yourself, I would imagine, would try to focus on the people that really have that good time. Where you know, you mentioned like the girls dancing for Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. I mean, that's during an the ex- concert scene at the end too. Well, you remember I mean, that? It's an example, but I'm I'm sure it must give you a thrill that when there's a great movie out. Uh, namely, I could think of Avatar. You know, Top Gun Maverick, of course, uh, very very populous film. Um, but I still, it must be great to see an audience full of smiling people and just have them leave satisfied. It is. And, you know, the other thing, there's, there's only two times I've ever seen it happen. Um, well, maybe more than two, but two's a come to mind. That at the end of a movie, the audience applauds. For, I have for, seen that, yeah. For a movie. And I'm thinking, that means to me that they were moved by the experience that they just felt like yeah. it was, it was well, well done, you know, and well-deserving of their time. Um, and one of those movies was one that maybe you've never even heard of. Uh, Which so, one? Uh, the world's greatest or the world's fastest Indian with uh, Anthony, Anthony Hopkins. Hopkins. Yeah, yeah I, I, God, I haven't seen that probably since it came out. Um, it's a smaller film, I know it, for it sure. Is. But and people applauded that one. Yeah, they actually did. Oh, wow. Anthony Hopkins does in that movie. It's one of my more favorite movies for exactly yeah. the reason. He plays a character that just can't help but like, and um, you know the the whole movie is a perfect escape from from daily life. And you see somebody else, and, and you find yourself rooting for the underdog and stuff like that. 
And by the time the movie's over, most people just felt like, wow, that was that was time well spent. <laughs> uh, if I haven't already asked this, I'll, I'll ask it now. But what do you just love the most overall about either running the theater, you know, the theatrical experience? Just, you know, what do you what do you love about what you do? The thing I love the most is the appreciation from the customers. Mm-hmm. Um, almost every day I get somebody that stops me in the. Uh, at the counter in the in the lobby saying you know thanks for keeping this place going uh you know thanks for what you do and just the feeling of being appreciated by our customers just that's what keeps me going Mm -hmm. that's the that's the best thing about it at all so we'll start winding things down here a little bit got a couple more questions um some fun ones hopefully okay uh what are your favorite movies of all time I mean, people always get asked this question. I, I, I don't always like the one of just say your favorite movie because mm-hmm. you can't you can't just pick one. No, there's no not one. Um, most recently, I, I'll mention um, Top Gun Maverick. That's great. Um, that I mean, that keeps you on the edge of your seat, and um, and that's a perfect example of a you have to see it in the theater movie too. And did it's I not, read uh, did I read somewhere that you got to see it at the Cinemark, or you got to see it at, like when it uh, was premiering? Yes, the uh, not at the Cinemark. It, uh, it it was first premiered, first audience ever anytime mm-hmm. uh, was at the CinemaCon in Las Vegas. That's what I was trying to say. And uh, and I had gone to that convention, so I got to see it before anybody else did. And it was amazing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, various different mucky mucks from the film were there. Uh, Tom Cruise didn't make it because he was filming over in Africa, I think, or someplace like that. He's a busy guy. Yeah. <laughs> but um, and one thing that a lot of people don't realize is the director of that movie, John. Um, uh, Joseph Kaczynski. Yeah. Jo- Joseph Kaczynski is uh, from Iowa. Yeah. In yeah. Uh, Mason City, Iowa. And I'm thinking, cool, hometown boy, kind of. <laughs> Um, so that's one a perfect example of a, a, a really great movie. Uh, Star Wars, if you went back a long way, the original Star Wars. I was going to say, yeah, you got to be specific, the original yeah, the one. The first one. Yep. And that's because it was original. When that movie came out in 1977, mm-hmm. um, it was groundbreaking. Oh, it massively was, ahead of its nothing time. Nothing had ever been done like that. Industrial light and magic got formed in order to do the special effects. And now when you look at it, sure, they're dated and stuff. But in 1977, that was like, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's been a whole bunch in between. Bohemian Rhapsody is one of them. Now, what are some of your, your least favorite movies? Uh, <laughs> always any, some that stick out. Any Halloween movie. <laughs> like the, the slasher. Like yeah, Michael the slasher Myers guy. Yeah, I just the, – the, the movies to me have to have – at least some degree of believability. Okay. And and most of the slasher movies, um, you know, they they're just too far off. And you know, like the thing that you always see in the slasher movies is the victim, most often a good-looking female because they want to pull on people's heartstrings. You know, is getting stalked by this slasher, mm-hmm. and they will always walk backwards through a doorway, <laughs> not looking in the direction they're going. Yeah. Um, uh, and not looking around. And and then, of course, they get stabbed. <laughs> yeah, horror movies sometimes just as a genre, I, I they're not one of my favorite genres of film just because of kind of some of the things you mentioned. There's, there's a sense of logic or, you know, that you kind of are like, well, wait a minute. Like, would they really, like, go down that dark hallway? Would they trip like that? You no. know, there, there's, there's these things that it's it's a little <laughs> tough to, to suspend your disbelief on. <laughs> um, it, it just it gets too insulting to my intelligence. I, I just go towards any movie to me that really you know entertains me enthralls me inspires me um movies do a lot of different things beyond just entertainment i think they tell important stories they uh educate people uh there's so many different applications for it i totally agree yeah now um last question i will ask you and then we'll we'll wrap this thing up um if you had to give a message to just your you know local customer base or just to the community here at large in cedar rapids iowa marion etc what's something that you would like to to end this on a message to the customer base yeah uh well the thing that comes to mind is the most obvious come see a movie at collins road of course (laughs) um the i don't know if i have a particular message that comes to mind other than that obvious one Mm -hmm. Uh, i do want people to come to see movies here and uh you know so that's um that's that's the most important thing um hopefully they listen to this and 
um, they realize that, hey, Bruce is kind of a sincere guy, and he really wants to do the best he can, providing a mm-hmm. good entertainment value. And so hopefully maybe some people that have never been here might come come on over and take a look at it. Do you have people that – I mean, I'm, I'm, I guess a silly question, but I'm sure you must have some people that just pop in and they tell you, like, oh, this is my first time. I've never been here before. I have. Believe it or not, there's a few people that haven't been here before. Because you guys have been here a while, and, I mean, I expect most of the people that would come would probably be from the area, around yeah, here anyway. They are. We actually have had people from oh uh, Waterloo and Iowa City and you know further parts away that – say they've heard about the theater and so they're you know it's their first time coming mm-hmm. um the but then we get some people and uh, that maybe go to another theater in town and you know i don't want to make this us against them at all sure but they they didn't know that there was another theater and uh, so they come over to this place and like why have i been going over there um uh, because we do have a uh, lower prices is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have real butter. We do have the same better recliner. Some people say they're better. Um, and, you know, why have they been going paying twice as much at the other place? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I hear that a lot. Well, I feel like also just I've seen uh, over the years, I, I you know, I, I do this sometimes. I say last question and then I'm still talking. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Um, but I, I feel like you know, the theater here is also, you know, family friendly for sure. Because I've seen you guys put on like summer kids series and, and things like that for kids. We and do. I feel like that's a nice thing. I don't know if everybody knows that. Well, actually not, but you know, the we had uh, up until the the pandemic, uh, we had to stop the kids shows for the pandemic. But we've been yeah. doing those ever since two thousand four too, and we had uh, it was the largest. And people think, oh, he's bragging all the time, but no, it, it was the largest free kids show in the entire country. Here. Um, yeah, here, really? right here, uh, because we had. Um, at, at the time, 172 seats. We would fill every one of them. We did it five days a week at 10 o'clock in the morning, and it was free. There was other free shows around the country, but none of them that went five days. Um, none of them that used all the auditoriums like we did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there there were none bigger, and I was kind of proud of that little bit fact. And yeah, it sounds like I'm bragging, but maybe I am. You know, it's, we. Did I mean, good. if you're proud of what you do, there's a fine there's a fine line, yeah. right? So, but we had to stop for the pandemic, and uh, you know, took a couple years off. But the hope is we're going to be able to pull it off again this year and then restart them. It's a little bit different situation. Instead of 172 seats in each auditorium, now I've only got 67. We lost the recliners seats. took some out. Yeah, you know, they, they, you know, a lot less seats because of the recliners and the space yeah. they take. So, um, you know, we have to kind of redo the model, and uh, so. You know, because there's a big difference. You know, we, we had 850 seats in, in the whole place before. Now we're down to 330. That's a big difference. That's 500 seats gone. Yeah, yeah. So. But at the same time, I feel like just on the reclining thing, I you see them at so many theaters now. They've kind of taken over. Uh, the comfort level is clearly there. Yeah, so, we, I we mean, definitely had to do it. But unfortunately, there's some downsides in there, too. Yeah, yeah. You can't pack the seats in as full and whatnot. But, no, I mean, that's... That's that's all I got for you. But uh, you have any questions or anything yeah. like that? What was it? What was it like being on a podcast? When you tell me that? Well, um, it's interesting. Okay, <laughs> you're you're a good conversationalist. So thank you a lot, <laughs> Bruce. So I'll, I'll, uh, first, let me just thank you for coming on this. Uh, seriously, it does mean a great deal to me. I want to continue to get guests like yourself, people that own and operate theaters, people that are involved with entertainment directly. Uh, especially people I don't know, uh, because then I can get to know them better, and it's just more enjoyable, I think, for my listeners. Um, but really, this was this sincerely was a treat for me. Uh, I hope people check out Collins Road Theaters. I'll include a lot of the information on the theater in the description for this episode, as well as when I post and share it and whatnot, so that way people can find it very easily. Uh, but other than that, I just I, I can't thank you enough for this opportunity, and I just hope people that are listening check out uh, their local theater. So I hope so too. I mean, obviously, uh, like I said in the beginning, I never turned down free publicity. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's also kind of a fun way. Maybe some people, you know, might get to know the place a little bit better. Um, I do want to mention that we have a web page, which is CollinsRoadTheaters.com. www.CollinsRoadTheaters.com. That's with roads spelled out. Um, and on there is a contact us form. And I would love it if any of your listeners wanted to to send me a message on any suggestions they have on anything we can do any better.
Um, so just just uh, go to our webpage, find the contact us link up toward the top, and you know every single one of those comes directly to me. And so you know I'd love to hear any feedback that you have on maybe anything that you heard on the the podcast, or if you've been a customer here. Yeah, you know, I love the feedback. That sounds awesome. And thanks so much, Bruce. I really, really appreciate this. And I hope you enjoyed yourself, too. I did. I had a blast. My, my neck's getting stiff now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we're, we're like t- t- cranking our necks like that, but it, it's all right. <laughs>